everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. Okay, so apologies for the confusion in advance, but what you're about to hear is an episode we recorded immediately after our 29th episode that we did with Dr. Green on Canada and space. We thought about calling it a wee dram at the time because, well, we were pretty deep into the whiskey already, and you'll you'll hear it in the <laughs> you'll hear it in our voices. But uh, it turns out the episode was just the right length, so I made the executive decision to make it a standalone episode. It's ironically called Critical Thinking. Um, by the way, if you don't like having catchy songs stuck in your head, don't listen to the very end. Enjoy. Yeah, exactly. So let's have a good discussion. I gotta make sure I'm turned on. No, that's you. That's you. All right, I'm good. I just I just turned it on. We're good. One, two, three, four, five. Are you just gonna Are you gonna hand mic it? My foot's so swollen. Oh, it is. It It looks disgusting. Keep it elevated. Yeah. So I guess we'll just call this a a wee dram. We'll call it critical thinking. Yep. Like you said there. We still have, we actually were just recording this right after we did our recording with uh, Dr. Green here. Uh, so he's still with us and uh, he, he hasn't decided to leave yet, which is a good sign. And my wife hasn't showed up yet. Yeah. And I'm not getting phone calls or texts yeah. saying, where are yeah. you? <laughs> so, so here, actually, I'll start this one off. So what, okay. what we're doing is we're, we, uh, we got into talking in between the little interlude here when we shut the mics off last time and we're talking about critical thought. And this is really the base uh, piece, the foundation, if you will, of a lot of problems that are discussed on the podcast. So we're going to talk a little bit more about logic and about problem solving and about critical thinking and about where it kind of fits into some of the other things that get talked about on this podcast. I don't know if we could just jump straight into it or yeah, go if, ahead. Or if, or if we, we get you to rehash a couple of your points. But I guess what I was trying to say just before we hit the record button was there's something that I'm noticing about you, Whiskey, and it's that um, you're a very interesting guy in that you, you come up with these, uh, you're very innovative, and um, you, you explore these different logic threads in order to come up with new ideas, and you're, you're breaking otherwise preconceived bureaucratic barriers but i have like a cognitive dissonance that's happening right now where you 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 know you say a lot of uh, you you spout a lot of support for bureaucracies but you have a lot of history personal history where you go completely against bureaucracy because a lot of bureaucracy like you say and and i agree with you and and it makes sense mm-hmm. A lot of bureaucracy is designed to be very fair, but what it does is, is it like what you talk about, we talk about career management versus talent management within a bureaucracy. Bureaucracies are designed in a way to create things, keep things fair, and they they do, do it in such a way where they call it career management, but they don't actually manage the talent of extraordinary people yeah. who come through and and make waves or do something that's different from the norm. Yeah, before uh, before rocks or sorry whiskey gets into it, uh, let me let me put two things out. One is that you know what it, what defines bureaucracy, right? Bureaucracy usually defines the success by repetition, routine, and resistance to change. 
which are the three hallmarks of a successful bureaucracy. So those are already sort of the, the hurdles that, that, run in, that we Whiskey run into. Whiskey vehemently disagrees. Yeah, exactly. He is shaking and, and his head. Because he doesn't like bureaucracy. <laughs> and the other he thing... He loves bureaucracy. Well, but, you know, bureaucracy, that's actually... If you go into books about that define the theory of bureaucracy, those are the three things that they... Uh, they run on, and then and then and then then there's the other piece of that too, which is the you know the idea that uh, you know what defines the bureaucracy is it the culture or is it the rules right is it the process the people or is it the uh, structure so, itself so bureaucracy is uh, can we, bureaucracy is the key point about bureaucracies is that they're highly formalized okay bureaucracies are necessarily scripted but. They're highly formalized organizations. And you can say, yeah, corporate culture does define it, but corporate culture is not a concept that really is... I was just going to get Mike to aim right at you. Yeah, so corporate culture is in all cultures. So culture is things that may or may not be written down. Formalized cultures tend to be more successful. Um, But when when you said um, bureaucracies don't... uh, uh, don't or actually resist innovation. No, so, uh, so, so monop- monopolies. So, you, so what, in some of your comments, you kind of meshed monopolies and bureaucracies to be the same, and that's not true. No, I, and I would agree. I think no, but bureaucracies do like repetition because that creates the structure. They are uh, routine because bureaucracies perform the same functions over and over again. And they do resist change because a change to the structure requires a change potentially to the rule set. And bureaucracies tend to like defined rule sets and they tend to resist changes until they've been uh, evaluated and potentially accepted. Yeah. So, so if I said I was a small, a, a small co- company, very flat, mother mom and pop shot mm-hmm. and they get a buyer how would that change anything that you just said right so are bureaucracies companies or bureaucracies institutions that they could are, be anything well the, but there's a difference of economy right so you have a private good and a public good public goods do not have a bottom line right so for example defense how much defense are you right you're not you're not a dollar value because you're intangible but a private good like a company a mom and pop shop they have a bottom line to get to so they're not seeking bureaucratic uh, no. routine you know doesn't it have no, something no. to do yeah, with just size can be governed or non-governmental true uh, yeah you're, I you're blending yeah. monopolies bureaucracies oligopolies and, uh, yeah so so yeah. just gotta watch how, how the terms are because yeah. they're very specific yeah yeah. And they're not mutually exclusive? No, are, no. Are we, not, are we yeah. like, I don't know. I'm just trying to break things down into simple parts. Like, is it just, it, it depends on the scope, right? It depends on how many people are being served or how many people are affected by the bureaucracy that, or by an organization that necessitates a bureaucracy. No, it all depends on the organization, organization and style. Like, um, if you want a, uh, an organization that's quite ver- is, is very adaptive, okay, that is, is, is okay with limited prod- production. Right. So let's say I'm a consulting firm. That's more astute to a flat organization with low, less formalized roles. Okay. However, if I'm a, a public utilities company or a semi-public utilities company, I'm more suited to a highly formalized uh style of uh, of gover- internal governance to support that. 
I don't. So I don't quite follow. One, if you require flexibility, you're not going to be a bureaucracy. <laughs> if you require something that's highly formalized, yeah. fair, direct, with established procedures, that's going to be and hierarchical. Let's av- let's All avoid time. perhaps mixing uh, apples and screwdrivers. Uh, let's pick <laughs> let's pick two companies that are very similar. So let's take like let's take two breweries, for example, or two distilleries, and the different approaches they might take. Because I like a, your way of thinking. Yeah, because a power company versus a mom and pop tool shop really are not the same things because of the the nature of the business. No. The output they have, two complete the different yeah, sizes. Yeah, the yeah. you know the markets they approach, all that kind of thing. So let's take two similar markets, or take two similar companies, and that may have different approaches to how they approach their markets. So let's take let's take two distilleries. Let's say one makes wine, uh, and the other one makes beer. Um, how would they, uh, you know, how would they incorporate bureaucratic procedures, or how would they hey, embrace so bureaucracy? So Constellation Brands International owns okay. quite a few different wineries. Okay. So let's Constellation say, Brands International. Isn't that awesome? You're a little. You're, you're just getting a little slurry. That's all I'm okay. saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those. This is a, I've been drinking their product. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's, it's a weed dram. It's, it's a weed dram. It's a weed dram, folks. Yeah. Um, this minute. Um. Anyway, so let's go back. <laughs> So it, it, it is quite possible. So you could be a mom and pop shop and you could be looking at Constellation Brands International that owns several different wineries. Jackson Triggs in Nilskin is a collection of different uh, vineyards. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, but they're a yeah. publicly traded company. So yeah, if true. you look at the difference between the two, two, one, you have one, you have a shareholders. Because you're a publicly traded company, yeah. Bottom your line, responsibility to the shareholder, to the shareholders. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say the bottom line because Elon Musk no, never no, made but, any money. But no, uh, he, <laughs> Rocks <laughs> has got it right. It's about it's about responsibility to the shareholders. Not so not back, like which means well, and the shareholders no, no. care about making a profit. Well, true. Mom and pop shops are shareholders. They're yeah, 50-50. True. Yeah, but they're direct and they're also making the product. The number of and shareholders differ, right? And yeah. drinking the product. Well, you can't, but if you own fifty, <laughs> never drink your own product. If pop. you're one, if you're a majority stake shareholder, you could be a mom and pop, or you could be, let's say, you know, um, Howard Hughes. You could be, or you could be, uh, what's his face, um, Berkshire Hathaways. Uh, sure. Oh, uh, you're thinking? Uh, oh, sorry. I think a gray-haired guy gave like three point five billion dollars to wealthiest man in the world. Gates. Jeff Bezos. No. No. No, Bill second, Gates, second wealthiest man in the world. Well, actually, as mom and pop shop, Bezos is another good example. <laughs> he definitely had the highest profile but, divorce uh, of all time. Yeah. Uh, woohoo! What, Bill Gates? No, no, it <laughs> comes to me later. It never comes to me. But you get my point. So the point Coke. is, is <laughs> K O C H. I can draw a picture of him. That's okay. Right, right, right. Um, the, the point becomes is we mentioned his name too, but 51% is, is, is something. And, but when we talk about the, the line between bureaucracies and partnerships and, and something that's not a bureaucracy, but there's a couple other steps in between. So a flat organization is one which can adapt to customer's needs that is less formalized, but there's a lot of fat in that environment. What do you mean by fat? So there's a lot of waste. We capacity. have talked about this before. There's a lot in, in a flat organization. There's lots of intellectual capacity that tends not to be tapped. So, if I'm going to have a company and we're going to develop art, 
Like art, art, or just like art? art? It could be an engineering. Pro- it could be an architectural firms. Okay. How many Empire State buildings are there? Well, there's only one Empire State. Right. Building. How many you know peace towers are there? How many like there's unique buildings out there? That architect <clears throat> architectural firm only built one building. Yeah, but they do that on purpose. Yeah. yeah exactly. Why? What well, purpose? Because there needs to be intellectual capacity within that organization to respond yep. to the customer's It's needs. like the person who invented the color purple. But how many, how many matchsticks well, well, companies are there? What rhymes with the orange? Trump. It's one of those... i sorry, I distracted from his thought. No, you're right. So here's a, I think the, the, the person you were looking for before is Warren Buffett. That's uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's an investor. I um, knew that all along. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. Um, so I'm but, like half a bottle into this, by the way. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I your your point is well taken because you're right. The issue is like how what is the driver of which you create uniqueness versus say mass production, right? So you will create a certain amount to sort of satisfy the masses, where you'll reproduce the same object over and over again. And then there are those times when, in order to drive your company's productivity or to drive its wealth or to drive its growth, you create a unique item, of which then becomes a signature of what you are. Now, Doctor so Green. It's, it's, no, no, Doctor Green. Now, flip it backwards. Yeah. What is the uh, from a consumer's perspective or a taxpayer's perspective? What is the number one thing they want from government? Uh, well, what is the one, number one thing that they want? They want their own money back, treated fairly. Well. No. no, no, they want all want to be treated fairly. Because no, everybody wants to be treated specially. No, yes. no, no, no. Listen, listen. Yeah, I, everybody, I'm with the, everybody yeah. wants to be treated specially, equally, equally. Yes, but what they want is they want to be they want to be they want their special interest to be treated first. So take that back. So what is a bureaucracy designed to do, designed to do? Repetition, routine, and resistance to change. No. <laughs> yes. That's the effect. Yeah. Finally, I found an ally yes. worthy of your competition. I'm going to break one of, my, one of my last two freaking low balls on Come you. On. Hit yeah. me, hit me. Oh, your other dog's jealous. Your other dog wants, it, wants my attention. So those are the effects. So, so yeah. what happens is when you have no, a bureaucracy. No, no, no. Now, so watch. Highly formalized. Yes, yeah. I agree. Everybody's equal, well documented because yeah, you get sued all the freaking time. Yeah, more or less. Okay, I agree. So, with no, that. so now watch this. Yep. Now, when you throw in a conservative uh, mandate to be cost conservative, centralization cost of services. Cost effective. No, no. Cost conservative. Not always. No, we're never cost effective. No, here's the thing. No, no, no so wait, 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 my point. So, cost conservative. Right. Now, what happens you... is because we're highly formalized, if we're cost conservative, we no longer have the ability to adapt all the policies to to rejig oh, ourselves to whatever sure. their purpose. So therefore, what ends up happening mm-hmm. is is that you have feast and famine cycles where we have the people yeah. to change everything, yeah. and then you constrict everybody to the new new policy by cutting yeah. everybody. I I would agree with you in most. And then cases. we don't have the ability to adapt. Yeah, I would agree with you in most cases. So, for example, like you've just described, <clears throat> Cadbury. And that's that's what they did. And, and Cad- shared services. And, and shared services and, and a whole bunch of other companies. But you haven't described SpaceX because, for example, Elon Musk will say, you know what? No, I don't want to give everybody the conservative equal piece. I will take a risk and I will cut off a whole division of my company. I'll let Tesla fail 
because even though I'm going to keep throwing money at it, knowing that the money is going to the ether, that's the thing is that there are different types of companies out there that will apply bureaucracy in different ways. And therefore this is, but this is what creates the richness and the diversity of economy, which is why I'm still a believer of capitalism and I'm still a believer of enterprise is because exactly to your point, which is you're right. When you, you can apply bureaucracy in a certain way and you can run a relatively conservative company that will continue to deliver the goods, uh, Ford, GM, General Electric, uh, Boeing, Lockheed, the, all these great companies that makes America great in many ways. But then you get the risk takers, the disruptors, the, uh, you'll get the Virgin Atlantics, you'll get the SpaceXers, um, you'll get the iTunes, you get Apple, for example, which is a great disruptor. Um, so you will get that sort of diversity. So your bureaucracy certainly applies. I, I wouldn't contest that. But I do think there are companies out there that will take bureaucracy and go, you know what, part of our people are going to lose and we're going to lose some money. But what we get out of that is greater than the loss that we suffer. So uh, I mean, yes. So, so you're right, but you, but you're 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 trying to. I'm trying to apply general principles, and sure. you're trying to apply okay. exceptions. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think we're both. I think we're we're in violent yeah. agreement. I think you know. So I mean, yeah. There there's there's people who are disruptors of the market, but once you go into let's say Microsoft, and you say Microsoft, Microsoft, they're, they're, they're around for a while. Yeah, but they're, they're conservative. To, they're, but you realize, no, they're not. Their stock right now is overvalued, just like Elon Musk. Yeah, okay, and that's because they've gone to the uh, they've ended perpetual model and they've gone to prescription based software, which I think uh, is and gonna... a hardware model. Yeah, and a hardware Microsoft model. Fan. Yeah, come on, rocks, get in there. <laughs> you guys are going way above my. <laughs> He's above... what I tell him. You're, you're way above my pay grade now. Uh, so, but you start and be careful. So, so, and I agree with you, but. Um, Here's the interesting paradigm. So, neoclassical growth theory. Oh, uh, geez. We're, we've, we've he just he brought up. his master's oh, in. Oh, my God. I think I have my textbook in my, my pocket. It's, yeah. it's right there. Oh, yeah. my it's right there. God. You can borrow his textbook. Oh, my eyes are bleeding. But, you know, because but, something you, you blended a couple of things. One is talk about growth and understand. So, bureaucracies only look to satisfy the marginal cost curve. That's why in government, you only talk about the budget. The second part is, is that when you talk about innovation, you're laughing at me. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping rocks will like just jump. I'm in just going to say something that yeah. I can't put I'm on the podcast. A <laughs> <laughs> Come on, rocks, get out. He's of already it. heard the speech. Uh, no, he's I've, good. I've he's heard good. it too many times. On, show I've heard it too up. many times. I don't know what to. I don't know. Continue your thought. No, but so I'm so formulating my opinion, then so, I'll spew it out later. So the the caveat to the neoclassical theory is actually monopolies. Yeah. In but, many cases, monopolies are bureaucracies. Yes, they are. And be, and as you saw, you flip back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that monopolies will actively resist innovation because they don't need yes, to. They, yes, they will. Because they only need to satisfy neoclassical growth that's, theory. That's right. Or and, 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 or and if you growth. accept the law of corporation, they need to satisfy the shareholder, which means that innovation is not part of that satisfaction, right? So the only right. thing I can offer is is my understanding of structures in general. And that's just something that we keep talking about, something that I'll revisit all the time, okay. is that in order for any structure to be successful at any, any point in time, whether it's future, past, or present, um, particularly present and future, um, is you need you need enough rigidity in the structure for it to be able to sustain itself sustain itself during hard times. But you also need to be able to have innovation and enough um, 
creativity to be able to update the structure during times of need. You brought up a good point about uh, in conversations that we had of, uh, what was it, Eaton's or Sears? Sears did not update their structure. What's going on? You're going to stand up, you know. Oh, you're taking pictures. Okay. That's good. That's all right. Sears, did, at the time of online sale, eBay, all that kind of stuff, when the internet was becoming really prevalent, Sears did not update its structure. It did not, it did not uh, get with the times. It tried to create an online sale. <laughs> it tried to create an online selling platform. It tried to be competitive, but it flopped. And something like Amazon comes along or eBay or whatever and just completely destroys the competition because they understand how consumerism is supposed to work in an online forum. And, and as a result, you got a company like Amazon who, what, they sold books and shit with Indigo. And, uh, like, but now they're selling everything, literally everything, to the point where they are so good at updating and adapting to new markets and to new technologies where you're not even going to see postmen delivering packages. You're going to be having them delivered by fucking drone technology in, in a matter of years. Ski, ski shooting with a prize. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, look, that looks like a flat screen TV. I'm going to take that one down. So, yeah. I mean, this <laughs> well, is my, this is my, well, I'm in the ballpark argument. Anymore if he's yeah. trying to get a TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm going to take that sucker out. Yeah. This is my, I'm in the ballpark argument, but I literally have no idea what you guys are talking about when you guys are getting specific. <laughs> no, actually, you know, so well, let's bring it around, right? Which is that bureaucracy is fine because, you know, like, uh, you know, Whiskey and I are talking about structure and policy. But then what's the psychology piece of it, the human nature piece of it, yeah. right? Will people, will people accept this or will they People don't like it? change. Well, well, there you go. Period. So, so, so let's bring that into it. Let's yeah. bring the psychology piece into it. People, people fear and resist change to a point until the change becomes the norm. And then at a certain point, yeah. a new change comes along and then they'll resist that thing. I'm, I'm a believer of the French philosophers who said that people, people change for okay, two reasons. Okay, which ones? Well, take the 18th century philosophers where they said people change for two reasons. They either change for convenience or they change for coercion, right? So you can coerce people into changing. You force them into it. So like take Apple's policies where they go, we're just going to stop supporting older software and older iPhones. We're going to force you into the new platform. Yeah, that's fucking right? stupid. But then there's the convenience, which is they open up a new service and they say, you know, for the first year or so, subscriptions are free. We're going to let you come into this without any additional charges. That's actually... Really there's good. a company... No, no, there's a really good point, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one thing that could bring back Sears. Sears is an appliance. Appliance manufacturer technically required to provide parts for nine years after yeah. the, the appliance... That's very true. Very true. But I'm not, I'm not legally obligated, or Apple was not legally obligated to provide screens for any kind in any other kind, words microsoft yeah. any kind of backwards My compatibility whatsoever Pro 2, i can't get a new screen for yeah, yeah. Um, so so it makes it's an interesting concept right so yeah. what, what's so the psychology behind it that? goes into the, there's a whole movement right now to, for the right to repair i don't know if you're aware yeah we did a whole yeah. episode on it yeah actually that's a really good point so the right to repair in the sense that you know why are you selling a product that purposely has failure designed into it or right? like software design slowdowns yeah. Or or subscription based. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Three sixty five. Right. Why can I only own this for a year? Apple iPhones. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, absolutely. the batteries. They, they oh, yeah, had purposely, software purposely built yeah. to, to downgrade your so, battery. So here's an interesting point. So the, the, in the last week or so, the five major publishers in Canada have said that they're going to end the perpetual ownership model for e-books and e-digital publications and that you will basically, when you buy a book, say on Amazon for your Kindle or for your e-reader, whatever it is, you no longer buy the book. You buy a subscription for two years. I've seen, I've heard about this. Yeah, you buy and for like two you're, years. And you're, like you're buying like, uh, I don't know, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some things like you're not buying an entire book to read on your digital platform, but like you're able to access like a couple of chapters. Yeah, you can almost do that, but you're basically, what it is now is that, so let's say you buy your latest novel that you really like. You're basically not buying the novel. You're buying a license to read the novel. That's fine. And fucked. you can read that novel for two years, and when it comes to years, your novel will disappear off your reader. Well, I mean, and I, if you want to read that novel again, like, so for example, I I travel down to the the Cape Cod and, and Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard, and I have a tendency to read Moby Dick uh, more than once because it's from that region <laughs> and I love the novel. But you know what? If I was to bring Moby Dick onto my Kindle e-reader in a couple of years, I'll have to buy that book over and over and over again every two years if I want to keep reading it. See, which makes no sense. So this is where I might align with whiskey in this, in that if you get enough consumer advocacy, where they turn around and say this is bullshit, we're not going to buy what you're selling. Yeah. We are like it takes longer. It takes a yeah. long time right. for I, that I, to happen. I, I think we need to. I think we need to align two things. One is both. We need to align the producer, the provider, and the user. Yeah. Now I'm okay with paying for something every two years, provided that the author who gets paid a pittance nowadays um, gets a better cut. Because right now, if you, for example, uh, look at on Spotify. Spotify. Yes, on yeah. Spotify yeah. and they get pennies. They get pennies nothing. on it. Yeah. So, so like you have Rolling Stones or have adding to go back. Yeah. God forbid, back on tour. It's like my great great grandfather yeah. went back on tour to to, to, to solve Keith Richards' fucking drug habit <laughs> or, or <laughs> virtual ABBA. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. The 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 ABBA virtual tour. Yeah. yeah. We called they used to call those cover bands. Yeah, no, no, this is the thing. Like, so ABBA basically has decided to go on tour, but because they're all like octogenarians now, um, they have decided that they can't travel. So, what they've done is they've created 3D models of themselves, basically, literally holograms. And wow. ABBA's going on tour, but ABBA's not going on tour. No. The way. ABBA holograms are going on tour, and you'll pay a full price concert ticket to watch a 3D hologram of the ABBA performers. I, I would, a, I would cross a, off the word you, and I would say, People. Okay, people. Yeah. <laughs> not you. Not whiskey, not rocks. Uh, and no my people. parents. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so stupid. Because unless Elvis comes up from the dead, he might do a hologram. <laughs> Elvis never died. There's your conspiracy. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's with the ancient aliens. That's right. Yes. Yeah, he's on the but back. He could do a hologram. Elvis didn't die. <laughs> Elvis didn't die. He just went home. He's on the dark side of the moon. Yeah. That's right. Fuck. That's a, that's a great <laughs> album, by the way. <laughs> I listened to that the other day, and I, you're like, oh, yes. nostalgia. Yeah, I was, I, I partook in the the devil's lettuce just to enjoy it too. It was, it's legal now. It's okay. Right. Yeah. No, but I mean, we go back. So, wow. So <laughs> I, I'm too wasted for this. Tell me bit. a story. Anyways, uh, I'm all for like 
Okay, as long as the like the artists get looked after. I mean, it's not like we're Twisted Sister, and, and I was listening to her interview where you know they stopped making music because a they weren't in high school anymore. B, they weren't in college anymore. And they and no three, longer they represented. Were too rich to worry about anything anyway. They no longer represented the thing that they were rebel. They re- they represented the thing that they were u- they used to rebel against. Yes, exactly. So yeah, I mean, going, again, back, going back. So I mean, as long as we're paying, you know, fair price for fair use. Yep. Uh, that is that's okay with me because you know most of the stuff stuff now is like I pay fourteen bucks and I get a book. When I was growing up, fourteen bucks. What the the cool yeah. price was like ten bucks and I, my yeah. books were forty. I'm yeah. okay. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm okay with subscription services if they're fair and they're reasonable in their cost. Netflix seems to have made it reasonable, and they've really. I I don't know if they've pioneered the idea, but it seems to be that that's the way that's going forward with everything else. Like Microsoft paying what was it like hundred plus bucks a year for fucking microsoft 365 yeah, for five licenses plus cloud storage plus yeah, yeah. i don't know it's it seems so different cloud, and it yeah. doesn't seem th- like I'll, I'll pay for that stuff for like 20 bucks a year well like you would pay technically you used to because everybody uses it anyway no i'm not i'm not defending microsoft but i'm telling you historically you even in like 2000 you're paying a hundred dollars for one license, yeah, and then you would have to buy next computer for a hundred dollars for that license, and it was all including your computer. So every computer back, back when you actually, but went you're to also a store rolling the dice with that too, right? Like that's that, that's another thing in support of uh, Doctor Green here of the of against the bureaucracy of the psychology of change, right? Yeah. You're pay, you're rolling the dice. When you're paying for five different licenses or whatever, you're rolling the dice, and then they come and make a change or they make an update to their software. That's just like, why did you fix something that wasn't broken? Yeah, but in the past, let's face like, it. Let's face it. They're never going to fix it because if they actually fix it, you'll never buy it again. So they will well, purposely keep it broken to a certain point where it becomes eternally so? fixable. Well, oh, yeah. Apple did where that. Where it becomes eternally fixable. But Apple's a yeah. different story, but, I and, find. And, and the, the only thing I can say about Apple is that they're a fucking dead company living off the coattails of a fucking dead man. Absolutely. So what, what cell phone do you have again? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. I, mean, I don't care. Too. I don't give a fuck about brand loyalty either. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Like, I mean... The, rea- the reality is, like, if you want to take this like really deeper, which is the fact is that when you hit your 40s, you realize that you have more winters behind you than you have before you. And you make decisions about how you're going to spend the rest of your time. It's a very and, interesting And what it. you're going to contribute. And so companies that continue to take as opposed to give will not survive. And there's a great study that was done a long time ago that looked at companies that survive past 10 years and so companies that survive past 25 years and companies that survive past 50 years. I think I've heard of this. And, and so, so you look at some companies, so let's take, for example, Coca-Cola. Yes. Coca-Cola has been around forever. And why have they survived? Because they're rather simple in their approach to what they try to do. And so sometimes companies that try to over-innovate, companies that try to be too dynamic or try to deliver <clears throat> too much, too soon, too little, and all that sort of thing, they, they tend to... Not a good example. Yeah. Well, no, they, no, no, no. This is a great example. Yeah. But because, okay, so something yeah. something that happened with Coca-Cola um, back during the time when they were trying to compete with Pepsi. Especially. Oh, well, they did a Coke Zero. 
Well, no, not Coke Zero. Or the new Coke. The new Coke. Yeah, that died. They changed the recipe. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, they changed the recipe. They made it sweeter. Because what happened, what had happened is like, there's a great guy. uh, He's an Australian. He does like video game news and all that kind of stuff. I'm into that kind of thing. You guys aren't. It's okay. (laughs) No, I like video games. No, no, I like video games. I love video games. (laughs) Anyway, um, his name's uh, Skillup. That's his uh, his YouTube platform, whatever. (laughs) Um, really great guy. He does. He did a really great um, kind of analysis on um, companies who use focus t- focus group testing to try and improve their product. Yeah. And the thing about his, his, what his argument was was that New Coke was a heavily focus group tested product um, that was great in terms of short little sips because it was much sweeter. Yeah. Right, um, but if you're gonna drink a whole can of it, or you'd be like, it would week. taste like shit. It would yeah. taste horrible. Or if you were to enjoy it over a long period of time, it's just like, so people complained. They would send back letters to the Coca-Cola company. <laughs> they would literally send back letters, like grieving over the loss, like they lost a loved one. Wow. Grieving over the loss of a, of a loved one, of All a right. loved one uh, that they thought All like d- like Coke. No, 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 seriously. But it's serious. I know, it's it's important. I'm about to pull a textbook and hit you with it. Go for because it. Because the same the same articles <laughs> in there and what happened. Yeah, I, I'd like uh, to see your uh, aim after how much fucking moonshine you've been drinking. <laughs> I'm using a book. <laughs> um, I'm, stri- anyways, I'm straight. So, yeah. so well, <laughs> did you say damn straight? Yeah. Damn straight. <laughs> damn straight. S T R A I T. So, Coca Cola is no different than everybody else. They, they, they are different. How can you no. say that? They no, are no, no. different. No. Because yeah. so, they've, they've so, lasted so you the don't, test so of you time. Know what? So it all depends on the aim of the company. Oh. But the what aim can aim? change. Aim? Agendas change. Co- oh, my God. Let me talk. So but the point is, is that Coca-Cola's aim was proliferation. Proli- okay. Global proliferation of their product and their, therefore their brand name. So they bribed who they need to do, gave the the recipe who needed to, licensing who they needed to, and they had certain controls to make sure the product was relatively consistent across the board. That's what they did. And you know, Red Bull is actually following a very similar recipe. Okay. And they're getting pretty successful too. Yeah. So it's how they do it. The next, the next generation of what they've done is now the Coke all-in-one booth you see at Subway. <clears throat> you, know those, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not all that unique, and I think you led. I mean, they're pioneers in certain respects, in in longevity what they gave back, but how they did and conducted their their business, because it's a luxury brand, and Coca Cola, uh, I can't remember who said it, uh, I love Coca Cola because the president of the United States drinks the same Coca Cola as the bum on the end of the street. It's the same mm. Coke. Yeah, yeah. yeah Coca Coca Cola has done very well in the sense that it has transcended um, its market. In the sense that, for example, um, in parts of the third world, Coca Cola is used as a, as a uh, as a 
insert for religious activity. So, for example, if you're going to drink to the confession, you actually don't drink red wine, you drink Coca-Cola, for Really? Example. Absolutely. So, I want, no oh, I need way. references. I need no. references. Yeah, this absolutely. is so, amazing. So, no, so great. So if you watch a couple of documentaries on Coca-Cola. And <laughs> the company, I actually have. Yeah, yeah, a company that starts out of Atlanta. So they, they have a t- you look at the globalization of Coca-Cola, you realize that the way that they've inserted themselves into various cultures throughout the world is by creating themselves as an indispensable part of those cultures. And one of those examples <clears> is the <throat> fact that they've, they've inserted themselves from religious activities by being a, um, a surrogate, if you will, or as a replacement wine. for wine. Uh, so, for example, in certain Catholic uh, parts of the third world, Coca-Cola is drunk for communion uh, as well, opposed to red wine. Yeah. yeah, exactly, because red wine is not available, but Coca-Cola is always available, hmm. and interestingly enough. So, you know, this is where Coca-Cola has been very clever and very smart about making themselves a part of your life. And to this day, to be fair, the, uh, the greatest ad, the greatest commercial ever conceived, yeah. ever produced... Embarrassing is the buy the world a Coke commercial, right? The world it is, Coke, yeah. If you talk to advertising agencies, if you talk to schools that teach marketing and that, they will always hold up as a textbook as the most perfect commercial, the most perfect advertisement ever created was the 1972 commercial that, or 1973 commercial that led to buy the world a Coke and the Kumbaya that comes from it. This idea that, and, and to this day, and look, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, you're a Gen Wire, and you're a millennial. Yeah. And when I say buy the world a Coke, we all kind of nod at each other because we, well, we all I, know I what that means. Well, I honestly don't know, but, yeah, but I we know, know. We kind of know what that well, means. I kind of know what that means because yeah. you see it in fucking movie theaters but I, and stuff. I, could you start to hum the, I like to buy the world. Uh, yeah, see, yeah, see. And that's the thing. I only had to, I only had to like yeah, say like three or four bars. Right. I would just go, you know? if I could teach the world yeah, that's to right. sing. Exactly. So I only had to sing like two or three bars. Where it came from? Yeah, you, it? Exactly. And you're absolutely right. But, but you sing see, like a robot, so. We, we only had to. <laughs> bash my guitar. You only had to bang out a couple of chords and there you go. Right? You're right. It is one of the most, like it's one of the most iconic commercials, okay. right? It's in everybody's brain. I want to pull on my Jordans and dance. There you go. So, it's amazing, though, when you think about it from it's a corporate so side. So true. Right? That's so that, true. That commercial so has funny. embedded itself like no other. Wow. I, I'm just, well, to the I, point I, where they did, like, for the listeners, we need to, to picture the scene from Roots where the Coke bottle flies down from the airplane. Oh, boy. Was it Roots? Or which one? Where, 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 Roots was right. about the. Right. That was with uh, Jordy LaForge. Yeah, <laughs> when he was a lot younger and thinner. Kunta, and, Kunta and Kinte. He wasn't blind. Yes, yes, that's right. Kunta Kinte. Yeah. Anyway, in, in a ship that was filmed upside down. That's right. <laughs> so, um, I don't think he ever actually answered my question. <laughs> one? It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like the question back It's like the question at the very beginning. The question at the very beginning when I said you're so supportive of of bureaucracies. Um, but I'm supportive of effective bureaucracies. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But <laughs> even effective bureaucracies, they they do. We talked about career management versus talent management. Man. And you you were an exception to a rule by your the story you kind of told us earlier. I don't know if you want to rehash the story now. No, but it was, I, let's just tell it straight. So there's good and bad. Bureaucracy is just a color. If you hate the color blue, you know what to do. If you hate the color red, oh well. I, I mean, thought he was it, gonna rhyme. He's gonna uh, start uh, busting a move here. Drunk. <laughs> 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 I 
God, wait, wait, wait. He's got a he's got a soother and a glow stick. It's because you're wearing a blue t-shirt with Apollo 11 on it. Oh my god. Yes, we are. Please stop that. We are in the post show. I grew up in Montreal, so rays are like in my blood. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. But not in your future. Hopefully not. I need some sleep. Oh, oh boy! Yeah. Oh, but it's they serve a purpose. So if you if you hate bureaucracies, you hate certain things. Okay, got it. Check. But they're all around us. They provide that fairness that we need to provide a stability in our <clears throat> life. Yeah. And we as Canadians are target invest for external or foreign investment because we are stable. But what if that fairness does not appear fair to an individual who may be very well, talented? Well, fair is, a, is, is far distant between actually fair. Sure. Okay. Maybe I'm, rephr- maybe I'm phrasing the question incorrectly, right? Say you got somebody who is very talented at somebody, something, and that talent is not being recognized and developed appropriately well, because bureaucracy doesn't do that. It doesn't doesn't uh, no, it doesn't, doesn't appropriate resources necessary say, to like, do that. Well, we like organizations like uh, Lockheed Martin, I think it was, and Skunk Works. I mean, oh. so, so so organizations have long understood that inside a bureaucracy, uh, you can't innovation struggles to survive. So you create organizations like a Skunk Works where you establish a tent in a parking lot. Say, guys, go paint yeah. Picasso. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Like and Albert only- Albert Einstein wouldn't able to cu- have come up with E equals M C squared because the fucking company policy wouldn't let him do it. Well, right. It's too busy repairing watches. Copernicus. And, <laughs> you think of uh, religious orders and Copernicus. I mean, yeah. yes. In Galileo's Tra- prosecution by the church. Yeah. yeah. So tracking, yeah. tracking. So that means the exceptional, ha- the exceptional have to be truly exceptional in order to really make an impact. Right, but what about no, the, you, those you, people who aren't truly exceptional? You, you gotta, who can who can make micro that changes? Of bureaucracy is not the, that's not the culture. No, the, the, so the, instead the, of bureaucratic culture is that you need to conform in order to support the organization. Because yeah. if you are a a a agent of change yeah. or a disrupting force, you are no longer conforming to what's going on, and therefore you'd be further. Punished. Yeah, most most agents of change understand the structure because they existed within it, and that's when they, and they then they decide to rebel against it, and so what they do is they go, okay, I understand how this structure, how this bureaucracy works, yeah, and then they say, well, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to to sort of maneuver around it so I can get my ideas out there. And so they rely to a certain extent on the bureaucracy because it benefits them. Right. But at the same time, they figure out a way to manipulate it so they can take advantage of it and potentially speak against it, knowing that it'll disrupt it. And so, Or you, they just leave and create their own company. Or they potentially leave and create their own company. But there's a risk associated with that because we, we do tend to idolize the successors, right? The Bill Gates. You know, we love to say that, oh, he never finished his degree and he became a millionaire. Or yeah, Steve Jobs, that's who true. They like University. the rags to riches we, we story. We love those stories, right? We love yeah. those guys who, 
who basically, you know, you know, Elon Musk went to Queens, but he never really finished, and he went off to be this, and and you know, yeah, do, you were, we were talking you know, about that offline and, a little and, bit too. And you can go farther back, right? Van Wait, Brown. Elon Musk went to Queens. That's right. Van Brown. Christopher was, was Columbus, not a, who didn't have any money until the right. Spanish people. You know, funded, yeah, he was a uh, fucking Charles douchebag. Lindbergh. Do little. You know, you can pick. You know, take your pick. Yeah. But these guys, we love these guys, but at the same time, you realize that they do take advantage of the system to a certain extent because they understand it. They understand how to manipulate around it. But at the end of the day, they have to make a decision, which is they go, well, I can take the risk of becoming a pariah and being totally ostracized by the system, or I can make it work for me. And, and, I, could, and I could tell you that like, bureaucratic systems, what I've done in my lifetime, I would not have been able to achieve unless I participated in as, the bureaucracy. Yeah, as part of the, as part of the bureaucracy. Yeah. I, like, literally, two of my degrees have been paid for by bureaucracy mm-hmm. in order for me... Mm-hmm. To jump to the particular hoop. So we talk about talent management. Yeah. I mean, I started really low. I started was like mailroom clerk level. Yeah. Like being able to read and use a table saw. Yeah. That was the level of where I started. So, so it takes a level of it takes a, a certain level of technical mastery. Uh, of the actual bureaucracy, like knowledge mastery of the bureaucracy itself in order for you to affect any kind of meaningful change. And bureaucracies have a set of rubric. This is the standard. Which requires a lot of discipline. To to get there. Yeah. And you know what? One of them was like, you can count with your socks off. So I'm like, I got 20 tries. Yeah. Um, That's what I'll use to get there. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I guess just to just, Kind of, I, I'm kind of pointing towards in the direct. I'm pointing in the direction for our listeners, I guess, is uh, it, it requires a significant amount of discipline, active uh, adoption of responsibility on your part, um, acquisition and knowledge about how the structure that you work in works, mm-hmm. uh, in order to be able to affect change. Because this is something that we were talking about earlier as well. It's like. Even in organizations that I've worked in, there's two different types of, well, that's a very basic way of uh, categorizing people. But one thing that I notice is there's people with can-do attitudes and people who are just like, no, can't be done. And I find the people who are just like, okay, we have a problem, let's try and solve it. And they have more of a can-do attitude and trying to, uh, they, they say, they look at a problem and say, well, this isn't good enough, and they try and solve the problem, or they try and make change, even if it's a micro change within their own little section or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to those people who are just like, no, nope, can't be done, can't be done. Interestingly enough, I, I, like, I find that... Uh, I find I can't stand those people. Yeah, but those, I find those people live in a, in a world called the rule of four. A rule right? of four? A rule of four, which they have four steps to everything, which is, the first, the first step is no. Right hmm. to everything. It doesn't matter what you ask them or you yeah. ask them. To decide. First thing they say is no, and then the second answer they say is well, it can't be done because the bureaucracy says this or or policy says that or the rules say this, and yeah. they go it can't be done. <clears throat> and then the third answer is well, it, it it can be done possibly, but I don't know how to do it because the bureaucracy has become such a convoluted, tangled web of or things. we've tried, or we've tried, we've tried. That's right, we tried, tried that five years ago, and, and it didn't, and it didn't work. work. It didn't work, so we're not going to try to do that again because you know it can't be done. Yeah, and and those it, are very bureaucratic you know, answers. Yeah, and absolutely. And then, then the fourth answer often to it is is that okay, we'll do it, and you've kind of shown us that it could be done, but you have to take responsibility for it. Hmm. 
because I don't want to take responsibility because I'm part of the system that's a good and point. I, I, I don't want to take risks. So you and I have, you've seen some of the offices I've worked out of. That's right. Yeah. So, so, I, so it's interesting because I often walk into a place and I go, Hey, listen, I want to do this. And the first thing, of course they say is no. And I say, okay, that's, that's right. That's the perfect answer. But let's go to step four, which is you say, okay, we'll do this, but you take responsibility. Yeah. And I, as a person who's willing to take risk or as a leader, I say, yeah, that's fine. I will accept the risk and I will take the lead and you'll just, let's get on with this because we know it's achievable. We yeah. know we can do it. And I'm, I'm tired of the, no, it can't be done. No, I've never done it before. I think no, a I don't lot of people are tired of that. Well, and because and I think a lot of people are screaming for just like, we've recognized, even if they're just small little micro problems within our workplace, I think people are screaming out internally, just saying, fuck, why can't we do something about that? Yeah. We're a very bland organization right now. I have to say, I find that in general that, you know, we, we haven't really had a lot of things that inspire us, you know. Well, those I've, are great segues to like a closing of another hour of our podcast. I know, yeah. I know. So, so, so what I'm seeing is like, what I, what I see is on one hand is like, we're looking for innovation. We want, to, we want to achieve something that's impossible. We look at the other one, space travel or... <laughs> We look back and we're saying, whatever project we want to do is, what do we need to do it? I mean, in order to achieve a lot of things, we need to accept risk. In order to, uh, once you accept the risk, the other part is to innovate the solutions to it, to uh, to get to that aim. I mean, it's really how beautiful how this always comes back. Yeah. Same type of thing. And, and like, like I always promote, I always promote imagination, right? Like I said, there are two types of people. There are those who see the world as it is and ask why. And then there are those who see the world that could be and ask, why not? And I think that really sets the pace for a lot of us. Yeah. So I think that's another closing. That's another really good for an hour long. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me. He's it's like great. stealing the show over I here. <laughs> he's got it's some experience. I might have to buy a fourth microphone. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's thanks doing, for having me. It was yeah. really a lot of fun. It, appreciate was so, it. it was a lot of fun. This is great. Yeah. All right. So I'm uh, Whiskey. And I'm Rox. See you next week. I'm Dr. Green. Thanks for having me. I like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me.